which we've been talking on our last two broadcasts about the question of submission. That looks at the marriage relationship from the wife's viewpoint. Of course, we've talked about marriage and the roles of the husband and the wife before, but we're taking a new and hard look at these in some aspects that perhaps have not come out quite so clearly in the past to answer questions that have arisen by people from time to time. And so today we're going to talk about the husband now, and on our next broadcast we're going to talk about him again. So if you wives have a little tape recorder you'd like to hook up and your husband is away at work and you'd like to replay this to him later on, maybe you better go run and get it quickly and have it ready for the next broadcast too, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be trying to give him something of significance for him. Uh, you husbands who are listening to it in the car or down at work someplace, uh, uh, you can take it home with you and tell your wife about it if she didn't hear about it too. Uh, yeah, I know. Some of you think you're, <laughs> that's the last thing you ever do. Well, maybe it's just exactly what you need to do to put yourself right out on a limb where it counts. Okay, you wives, I've talked long enough now for you to get that tape recorder hooked up. Are you ready? Here we go. The husband is said to have the headship in the home. This appears, of course, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, very plainly. We read in Ephesians uh, 5.23, The husband is the head of his wife, as Christ also is the head of his church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Now, I'd just like to ask the question today, what does this headship of a husband involve? We realize, of course, that headship is a very, a very different kind of thing according to the person who's involved in exercising it and the traditions and the background from which that headship emerges. For example, the head of the Soviet Union has an extremely powerful authoritarian uh, kind of headship that the head of the United States of America does not possess. Uh, the head of the uh, United Kingdom is purely a titular head. Uh, she is a queen who uh, presides at certain ceremonial functions, who uh, becomes a rallying point for a variety of acts and uh, ceremonies, but who really has virtually no power whatsoever in and of herself, not even so much power as an American president would have. And so it goes. Headship implies different things with different kinds of heads out of differing backgrounds and different traditions. Now, many men who, when they read words like the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, think of headship in terms of which they have known it. Maybe they think of the head of their company, who may be a very tyrannical, self-centered, bossy kind of individual. And they think, okay, that makes me boss. And that's the way they think of headship. I'm going to be the boss of my home, and everybody better know it and better look out, and I, when I speak, people better jump. That may be the basic concept that some men have of headship. Now, the headship in the scriptures of which we read is certainly not a tyrannical, dictatorial kind of thing. It has no arbitrary aspects to it. It is regulated entirely and completely by a standard which we have been given from God, namely the scriptures themselves. And it is certainly not a bossy kind of thing where it protrudes itself into the situation time and again simply to make known to others that it exists. 
headship in the scriptures is conditioned not by the way the boss works uh, operates down at work, not by the way some political head over the uh, over a government or rules his government, not by the way that Nero or some other emperor in the Roman Empire at the time of this writing uh, took uh, responsibility for his uh, empire, but rather the headship that we're talking about here when we speak of the husband's headship over his wife is clearly conditioned in verse 23 this way. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. The husband's headship is like Christ's headship over the church. That's the kind of headship that's been given to a husband. Not any old kind of headship, but specifically and clearly that kind. Now, what kind of headship does Christ exercise over his church? Well, the second half of this verse makes clear how he became head over his church, how it all began, and certainly the way in which this headship must be viewed primarily. We read that he is the savior of the body, the body, of course, being his church. How did Christ become the church's savior? Did he become the church's savior simply by marching into the situation and proclaiming himself as such? No, not at all. He became the savior of the church by giving himself for her, by dying on the cross, bearing the guilt and the penalty and the wrath of God for guilty sinners who hated him and who didn't care to be his church, who were enemies according to the scriptures themselves, and yet he died for them. This was how Christ became the head over his church. He died and rose for her, bearing her guilt and her penalty and her wrath and her sins in his own body on that cross so that everyone who believed in him might have forgiveness of sins and the assurance of life everlasting. Well, that certainly is a different kind of headship than any of the rest that we've mentioned here. To become head over the church then meant for Christ a tremendous sacrifice of everything that might have meant something to him to hold on to. Instead, he let go of everything, and he let go of it all for the sake of his church. That means that the headship that a husband must exercise over his, uh, over his wife must be a sacrificial headship, one in which he does what he does for the benefit of his church rather than for his own benefit. And here precisely is where it all boils down to the fact that the husband's headship is a loving headship. Love in the Bible is not getting. That's lust, according to the scriptures. Love in the Bible is always giving. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We read in in, uh, Galatians 2.20, he loved me and gave himself for me. And here in this very chapter, we read, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, verse 25. And so the headship of which we're speaking here is a loving leadership, a loving headship in which love, the giving of oneself for one's wife, is at the core of it all. In the first chapter of Ephesians, we have it plainly set forth for us what kind of headship Christ exercises over his church. In verse 22 of chapter 1, we read, He, God the Father, put all things in subjection under his, God the Son's, feet, and gave him to be head over all things for the sake of his church. A husband must make every decision. A husband must do everything that he does. 
A husband must think every thought that he thinks and make every lay every plan that he lays with his wife's benefit and welfare in mind. That's the kind of headship of which the scriptures are speaking. Of course it makes sense that he has to have the final decisions after all matters have been discussed and there can't be general agreement. Somebody has to assume that responsibility. But headship means a responsible relationship to God and to one's wife that grows out of love toward her, which means giving of oneself for her and always keeping her in mind and doing everything that one does in that leadership capacity for the benefit and for the sake of his wife. Every woman who hears this today ought to jump high into the air and click her heels three times before she hits the floor whenever she hears about the headship of her husband. That means that he must think of her first. Lord, help husbands to get this true and biblical concept of headship in their hearts and into their lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.